I took a disc. <laughs> So in this period of time for the uh, uh, afternoon uh, talk, I'd like to uh, explore a little bit some um, <coughs> two primary views and our relationship to these uh, views. Uh, and I'll just take an overview uh, initially, if I may, with you and then how this relates very directly and immediately to our practice and our exploration. Um, with, oh, in regard to the uh, larger overview for a moment, sometimes we need to recognise um, and appreciate, acknowledge how strong and intense views are put out by very powerful influences upon us which we easily identify with they go unquestioned and they're very damaging for our health heart, mind and body <coughs> And if we don't raise questions and don't have a very deep concern about some of these views there, they impose themselves on our being and the outcome of that has a real impact on our life, on our relationship to life, because we have believed what the authorities, and they're powerful, keep telling us. And the consequence uh, of that is widespread, which I'll touch on for a moment. I'll tr try to keep it uh, uh, short, uh, and then the yeah, practical aspects of it as the predominant. So one very strong view is... <coughs> We all have a choice. This is a nightmare and a horror of a viewpoint. And the damaging aspect of this viewpoint, it is used as a weapon. People, that is you and I and others, are constantly being told, oh, you have a choice. So when a person engages in something foolish, when he or she is upset, stressed out and angry, when that person can't do something they wish to do, or he or she does something which they don't do, want to, uh, they don't do something, 
Up comes, if you could close the door, please. Uh, if you could close the door, please. Up comes the reaction inside from others. Oh, that's your choice. That's your choice to say that. That's your choice to hurt this other person. That's your choice to have alcohol problems, sex problems, gambling problems, addiction problems, habitual problems. Oh, it's your choice. It shows, in my view, a terrible, tragic misunderstanding of the human condition and the vulnerability of the human condition. And to tell people it's their choice is a form of bullying. It's an aggression. As if the person can, will say, oh, it's my choice. Oh, I'll stop that addiction now. I'll stop that gambling, I'll stop that worry, I'll stop that anxiety because it's my choice to. Human beings, for the most part, do not have the choice. It's a fiction. What helps people to change significantly is when human beings, women and men and children, get together and share together and to see what can we do to make a change. There are the exceptions. There are the, the, the exceptions of people who reflect, who look deep and who are able to make a choice rather independently but my goodness me these people are rare they are extremely rare and this imposition this violence upon the other and telling other people it's your choice as if she or he can just change just like that And this kind of language is used in this spiritual world by people who are... Anyway, least said the better. But then there is the other extreme. Once again, in a field that we <coughs> live in, of human existence with these views which are so intense, which we're being told again and again that... What is happening with us, which means our behaviour, about or what happens to us with our health or with our tendencies. Oh, it's in your genes. We're helpless. It's in our genes. We haven't got any choice. We've got genes for cancer. We've got genes for making us fat. We've got genes for making us thin. We've got genes for making us depressed. We've got, gene, we've got the God gene. We've got the selfish gene. I mean, so I've got the gene, whoever the I is. Well, where's the choice? It's in my genes. What can I do? I'm trapped. It's the genes which are shaping my life. So on the one side, I'm told everybody's got a choice. <coughs> And on the other side, we're being told you've got no choice, it's in your genes. Don't buy the package. <laughs> Don't buy it. 
It's a monstrosity to impose and inflict these views upon us and the obvious paradox where the corporate world says you have a choice, you can buy this and this, we've got all these choices, and the pharmaceutical industry says it's in your genes, we'll provide the medicine to stop the effects. Whoa. We're going to live our life submitting to the consequences of these views as if that was the truth, as if one or both of those views in some paradoxical way had some absolute reality to it. How could it be possible? I read, I don't believe everything I read, <laughs> but I, I, I read that somewhere in the e, EU, something like 50, 50% of people are taking every day some kind of medication. And the primary use for the medication is around anxiety, worry, health issues from headaches to stomach aches to uh, sickness issues. 50% of the population at any time are on some kind of um, uh, medication. And those who are on medication to reduce worry, stress and anxiety, that more than a third of those people who are on that kind of meditation Meditation. <laughs> that kind of medication, Freudian slip, that kind of medication uh, there, wish to be off it, but are addicted. A third of those who are on it haven't seen their doctor for a year. They just prescribed it. It's huge profit to the pharmaceutical industry. We live in a, a culture, a climate of such dependency there, and with the first view, <clears throat> it's your choice, it's my choice, or whatever, just imagine the pressure, the expectation which we are putting upon ourselves. And when one looks at stress as one example of it, I bet expectation is not far behind the stress. The expectation which has built up upon ourselves is a significant contributing factor to stress. If you can imagine, if you can think of stress without some expectation in it, let me know. And that world needs two factors, two of the many, but two important ones. One is, in our relationship to our life, both ourselves and others, 
can I look at the life? One, see what practical steps I can take for change. Who and what around me will give support? Friends, loved ones, family, sangha, practitioners, retreats, skilled people. Who and what will give support? There to work with life. And the second, which is equally important and often forgotten, what are the causes that bring me as a human being to worry, to stress, to sickness, to anxiety, to agitation? What are the causes? What are the conditions there? And I mention this and why I regard it as so important because with the one view, the health issue primarily it is dealing with the effects sickness, exhaustion, depression, cancer, heart disease, obesity and much much more but what's needed to be looked at, what are the causes and conditions which are contributing to it? What can I, or we, as human beings, do to see what causes and conditions we can change? No saying there is a guarantee, but they have to be looked at. As a mindfulness teacher, I'm going to put my mindfulness hat on for a moment here, and have the privilege of teaching <coughs> mindfulness at least God, four decades, is it? God, it's five decades. Four decades? Anyway, long enough. There. <coughs> Though I will speak of the virtues of method and technique, and some of our wonderful mindfulness teachers are doing precious and important work with mindfulness in terms of methods and techniques. But it will not fundamentally change things unless the causes and conditions which brought about the stress and unhappiness are examined as well. And that, looking at what can I engage in in the present, in my life, to live more calmly and clearly and wisely? And equally, what is it that led up to me experiencing a hard time in my life? What did I forget? What did I neglect? What is it that I didn't take any notice of? That I find myself worried angry, fearful, tired, exhausted. I look at the present, like we're doing here with our practices, but I need to make some reflections to help me understand the way that the past looks to the present, influences the present, the way the past looks to the present. And please do not blame your mother and father. It's too easy. Too easy. Poor parents, I'm talking as a parent here. <laughs> so, because the parents, 
It's easy. The parents can say, oh, if it's my fault, then it must be because of who? My parents. <laughs> and it's their fault. Oh, of course, it's the previous generation. That generation from the war. That's my generation. This must be their parents. They go back, you know, finally we, get, we have a little religious disposition. We'll end up with Adam and Eve or past lives or something, something else. We want to be mindful and aware in our life that though others may well have to take responsibility if in some way she, he or they have affected us, but blaming will not resolve the issue. One might be absolutely right about the way parents treated one or teachers treated one or authorities or an abuser treated one. You may be absolutely right. The memory, the memory may be clear and very, very precise. But the blame will feed all the unhappiness. And it's a, an immense responsibility and an immense challenge to see the fact of the impact on our lives of the other in this unhealthy way. Not deny it, not say, oh, it was his choice or her choice. Not say, oh, in some way or other, I must have brought it upon myself. Oh, that's a oh, horrendous thing for a person to say. I must, it must be somehow my fault. So that we can look quietly, meditatively, at a situation which is difficult, it is problematic, and just find enough space to say, what is it that needs to change? Is it the attitude? Is it a need to listen to others? Is it a need to find a new way of looking at things? And to quietly keep working with that, and particularly, as I mentioned, do not think one can do it all by oneself. We need each other for this. So we take the present, the living present. We're not putting all our eggs in one basket, as we say. Meaning, oh, if I'm just in the present moment, everything will be okay. Not a chance. Don't buy the package. The present moment is important. It is deeply significant, but so is the past. So is our ability just to track and to follow the influences of the past uh, to the present. As I mentioned a few um, um, moments ago, and it's actually been touched on two or three of you to, uh, today, one of the influencing factors in our life 
which can have a charge to it is this expectation to expect and the expectation can be any direction it can be towards another and it can be towards ourselves somebody uh, said to me a year or two ago oh Christopher does it mean we have to live without expectations there's not a chance there's not a single human being on this planet that I have met and I've met a few who doesn't have expectations while here I hope my expectation isn't too high but have a certain expectation that there will be a general principle of silence in our week together I have an expectation that I won't die from the nutritious nourishing food that we receive three times a day don't have too much expectations about the weather because I'm British and I'm used to it <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, your good presence in the hall and much much more expectations are a formation of the life but if to know myself as a, as a human being is recognition of this case of the place of expectation and can I catch when the expectation is building up to make a problem? Can I catch the expectation either on myself or upon the other or other where there is enough pressure in the being to build up an expectation and that expectation places us in a very vulnerable place because at any moment the expectation can crash and when it crashes within I have an expectation I'll pass these exams I have an expectation um, I'll have lots of happy kids I have an expectation that I'll have a very profound week or whatever it might be that when the expectation is building and building even in the most positive so called positive of light that building up will carry with it like a house of cards it just takes one small thing one little change and the expectation can crash down on us. Crash down. <clears throat> I had a meeting with a, kind of a businessman. The businessman had his colleague. The two of them started the business and became very... Uh, wealthy in the course of the business uh, there 
and they had been working with the business for 20 years. And then the businessman who spoke to me found out that his colleague over 20 years for years had been siphoning off the money out of the business draining it dry <laughs> till it got to the point that the business ended up and collapsing there and he said to me he could not stop himself from putting all of his blame, anger, negativity and fault-finding on this person who was his colleague for 20 years who had brought the business to bankruptcy. He just could not stop finding fault with him. He just could not stop the anger. He asked me what I thought about it. And my response to it was, you must have spent 20 years not seeing very clearly. If you take someone for granted, you'll carry with it an expectation of what you're taking for granted. Without the questioning, without the sharing, without looking into the accounts, and much, much more, so much can be going on in a, as a major blind spot. And you assumed things would continue okay. And therefore, you, the person, has to take some responsibility for not being clear, for not seeing. The person, of course, with the corruption of mind and the exploitation of the person's goodwill has to take the major responsibility, no question in my view. But sometimes we are blind. We are not seeing And then when we see, out comes the anger. And the Buddha uses a strong analogy for this. Kind of very famous in the Buddhist tradition. He said it's like four men men, women, four men in this case, who are blind. And they go up to an elephant. And they're asked, what is it? And one man says, oh, it's a post. Another blind person puts his, and says, oh, no, no, uh, 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 it's a wall. And then he says, no, 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 it's something very rough and very hard, uh, uh, etc. So the, the views come out about what, what it is. And how much, this is important, based on what we see is the way that we respond. Based on what we see is the way that we respond. 
and to realize it's not a wall and it's not a, a post and it's not something uh, just a, something hard or, or whatever it's an elephant as we say in English is there an elephant in the room sorry apologies to the elephants for this uh, metaphor here in other words sometimes in our life as mentioned yesterday we need to know ourselves well and equally we need to know the other you're in love you've been in love for weeks months and years and that woman in your life that man in your life says bye the grass is greener on the other side of the fence means someone else has come into one's life and there can be a lot of shock horror understandably anger disappointment I never believed this person could do this to me oh yes they can and oh yes they do and most of us have known it and if you haven't feel blessed and sometimes that which we did not expect of the other took place understand that which we did not expect to happen happened could there have been some clues before could there have been some words said could you have had a sense of what was not being said could it be that we missed something we were missing something we were taking the other for granted and there was a gap and they said bye bye I'm going to see the lawyer bye bye I'm going to divide the house between us bye bye whoa life is no picnic <laughs> so the knowing I was in the economy center that's I live in Totnes generally gets touched upon a fair bit it's a, a town in uh, uh, England <laughs> it's a rather creative and imaginative kind of town we declared ourselves last year um, as an independent city state and on the 16th century uh, building uh, in the town we declared our allegiance to the EU and renounced all association with Britain so this, this is Totnes this is what we do <laughs> and a few other things as well I was very delighted that with Extinction Rebellion which is a very lovely protest which I'm thrilled about that out of the first hundred people or so who were arrested on the bridges and uh, in, uh, in, in London our town of 8,000 people out of the first hundred or 150 or so 24 were from our town <laughs> Yes, excellent. 
uh, 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 bless them. And so in the Reconomy Centre, which is to basically pull apart the current economy, Reconomy Centre, I was speaking on Easter Monday, which was Earth Day, also rather sweetly my birthday, if I may add, and, uh, and we were both in there doing some work, <coughs> writing. So I turned there to uh, the person uh, in there, and I said to, said to him, I hope we're, we work in de- independently, you know, it's like a desk for the activists, desks for the activists. And I laughed, and I said, I, I hope we're paying ourselves double time for working on a holiday <laughs> like that. And he said, actually, I should be with my kids. He's got, he told me, two kids, aged five and eight. And I said to him, okay, there are situations, this is for the parents and here, there are situations where we cannot be with the kids. Therefore, the quantity of time, quantity, is reduced. But what matters to kids is the quality just by being in the same room or in the same house doesn't mean to say that one is with the children. Can't take them for granted, these kids. And especially with the years that go by, we are with them. And meaning, in the sense of, here is the role, the father. Of course, there's a lot of work and responsibility to do, of course. And I said to him, when you go home, you make sure today, when you go back home today, you really have quality time with your children. And you make sure they know, through the quality, you love them. Don't just go home and say, oh, I've had a, been to, I'm so tired. Kids are not interested in your tiredness. They only want your love. I said, you've got to be really present for them. And he said, oh, thanks, Christopher, thanks, Christopher. And I saw him the, the next day there. And on his, the back of his hand, and he wasn't washing his hand, bless him, he had written in ink, be present. <laughs> <laughs> he said, so when I, oh, yeah, be present. <laughs> and my kids said, Daddy, why have you got be present? He said, because I've got to be present. <laughs> it's called a tool. So if you walk around here and I see be present on your back of your hand, um, <laughs> whatever. We need every reminder we can get there. So in our, to reflect, how am I doing? Not bad. In our reflections uh, here, <clears throat> just take the point. In looking at our uh, self, to recognise the persuasive and rather powerful forces which want us to adopt a viewpoint. So I use the one about the genes, use the one about everybody has a choice, and in true Dharma spirit, there surely has to be some down-to-earth, practical, middle way in which we don't just subscribe and submit with unquestioning obedience to these kind of views. They have a place. They have a usefulness. 
but it's nothing about the true reality of things that goes deeper than that. Then we look to ourselves and recognize and acknowledge the real necessity of support from others. And to talk about things and to share things with each other more uh, in the daily life. And the two aspects of that, as mentioned to you, is the relationship we have with the living present and also with the influence of what might need to change there. What can I do? I give a small um, personal example. It's not unusual. This is, this is a situation in which um, um, women are uh, blessed enough that it won't happen to them. I can say that. Not many things. So, um, I'll come to that in a moment. <laughs> so, in case you're wondering, in case you're wondering, I, I can say this with a certain <laughs> authority. Um, must be probably around three months, three months ago, um, I would uh, wake up in the night, not unusually things, wake up in the night, women, common, women and men, and needing to take a pee or a piss, whatever language you like. Uh, there. And then it went, went once or twice, three or, or, or four times in, in, uh, in the night. And then I went off to Australia, teaching in the rainforest there, and exactly this, and, and so it continued. And those of us of a certain uh, uh, age know with these kind of uh, symptoms to you know, take notice of what is occurring and there can be other contributing factors as well. And that could be one, I hope you don't mind this medical report. <laughs> <laughs> and another fa uh, uh, factor, for, this is for the guys who may not know, or you should know, but may not know, is that you can have a pee and then five minutes later you need another one. Uh, or you need a pee but you can't go, or whatever it might be, all these, all these factors. So I came back home, went to see the doctor uh, there, and said, Grita, you, you need a blood test. Would give you a full blood test and just see what's uh, what's going on. Okay, so I have the blood test there, and it's interesting. Some of you in the room will know this extremely well, and if you don't know this extremely well, and you live a long time, at some point in the future, you will have to deal with this. One has an issue. This is the important thing, which one doesn't know what it's about. One doesn't, this is a health issue, one doesn't know what it is about. And one is waiting for the good medical authorities, their laboratory, whatever it might be, to give a determination there. In that space of time, one's got to be steady. Practice when one is with the known, which is now, what one is experiencing, and in the gap called the unknown to something is then known, these teachings are about, like so many things, being clearly steady in this gap. 
because it will come like night follows day, it will come. So, called in two or three days later, Christopher, we check the blood, we check the kidneys, check the liver, da, 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 all, is, all, is, all is good. So then the doctor said to me, we just have to do one more test. The famous, or the infamous, internal. You know what mean, is meant by internal. Uh, there. And then the, the, the doctor, the, the lovely woman, she said, to me, she said to me, Christopher, do you mind if it's a, a woman doctor do it? <laughs> I said, no, I have no sexual preferences. <laughs> this. And I rang up my, this is funny, I rang up my daughter, who was a, a, ner- a midwife. So as a midwife, uh, good language, and many internals. So, so the doctor says to come in tomorrow and have an internal. Um, any response? And she texts, she texts me back one word, enjoy. It's <laughs> 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 my daughter. <laughs> I told the doctor, she giggled as well. Uh, there, so anyway, for those of you have it uh, there. And... and uh, she said, it's, this is the thing, the prostate gland, this is, see why it's male only, the prostate gland said, fine, it's all smooth. She said, if it's smooth, it's quite small, I didn't realise how small it was, but if it's smooth, it's okay. Um, there's no um, rough patches uh, in it. And she said, but there is a very tiny swelling uh, in it, and this is what's causing the leak, and uh, etc. And when that goes down, as it has done, you'll, you'll, you'll be back to, uh, to normal. Of course, please, uh, 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 with the outcome. But the, the point being, just to repeat myself, as human beings, we are in this field of experience where we have to live with the known, and sometimes that isn't easy, but we also have to live with the unknown. And it's when these expectations, this building block of the expectations, will so quickly dive, so to speak, into the unknown. The mind will project all manner into the unknown. And it's a challenge for us, and it's a practice for us, to recognise the places of natural human expectation and to be extremely mindful, mindful here, extremely mindful when we are exaggerating the expectation. Anger is an exaggeration of expectation. Worry is an exaggeration. Stress is an exaggeration. Fear is an exaggeration. And to look at what is happening which is adding more to it than is needed. And can I as a caring human being just learn to catch that? 
without the ironic thing of saying to myself, oh, I should have no expectations. That is just one crazy expectation. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, with uh, uh, responses uh, uh, as well, also gets mentioned very, very regularly uh, with the mindfulness meditators Dharma world. And it's part of the view that's kind of uh, entrenched uh, quite often. And the view quite often is I have so much stuff to use the popular word, inside of me. I've got so many things inside of me which I've got to work out. I have so much anguish, pain, trauma, disappointment, which I've got to work through. (coughs) And the difficulty with the holding to this kind of viewpoint is that we reject happiness we reject peace of mind and contentment we can think it's a kind of avoidance because I should be working on my, on my stuff and all my stuff should be coming up and, and, and I shouldn't be feeling happy that's not what I'm here for there and we are losing we are kind of robbing ourselves or denying ourselves the happiness. And we forget that these experiences of happiness there makes a wonderful and precious contribution to healing the suffering. The happiness is that which we wish, that which you and I can know and we can experience. And my goodness me, please, 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 when you are here, also makes our life easier, I have to say, that when you are here, the moments of happiness, the good culture and climate, uh, the, the nature, the bursting of uh, the spring and all the magnificence of the, the greenery, the loveliness of the views, the lovely food that we are provided uh, with, and much, much more. A happiness of all that, to really recognise and appreciate that. You know, people say to me, Christopher, the only reason I come on, on, on the, re- the retreats to the ward house because the food is so good at 7.30 and at 12.30 and 5.30 and I'm willing to put up with everything else <laughs> because of these are the three major experiences of my day on the retreat. And I think... <laughs> If that's the reason for coming, wonderful, and all credit to endure the rest of the day for these happy experiences. So there's t- plenty of moments which we are touched with the happiness. Respond to it. Allow yourself to feel it. Be at home uh, uh, with it. And if there is some issue that needs our attention, It will come. You and I, we don't have to put any 
pressure on ourselves to try to get into our stuff. Yeah. It's a certain trust that will just come and we'll find together the resources to work with that which needs our attention there. And all of this finally contributes to uh, the, the freeing up of our, of our being. And we are willing to question these major outer influences. We are interested in looking at our relationship to expectations, either upon ourselves or on others, uh, or both. And we recognise the beautiful, magnificent place of happiness in life. And may we experience it very deeply. Let's have a quiet minute together, shall we? May all beings inquire into life. May all beings give support to each other. May all beings live with empathy and wisdom. <laughs> 